and welcome to the British English Podcast. Today we have an episode with the one and only Michael from the Level Up English Podcast. Michael has been doing it longer than me, the podcast game. He's got a podcast that is very similar to mine. It's a British English podcast. It's relaxed. It's uh, sometimes a one-man show and sometimes interviewing people. So, yeah, it's a very similar situation. He's from Cornwall, but apparently it doesn't sound like his mother. His mother is very Cornish, apparently. So, yes, without further ado, let's hear from Michael and hear how he is today. How are you doing, Michael? I am doing really good. A little bit sleepy in the morning here, but I'm honoured to be a part of your podcast. So thank you for inviting me. Well, wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And yeah, we just did an episode on your show, didn't we? Yes. I don't know which is going to be coming out first, but maybe maybe people can go and listen to that one too. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Can you remember what that was on? We spoke about a few different things like British culture, what you miss because you're not in England anymore, right? And all that kind of stuff. Had some kind of bonus questions at the end as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So guys, go and uh, listen to that one on the Level Up English podcast. But yeah, for this one, we're going to do some deep dive into Michael's life because we're going to do part one, British childhood memories. Part two, we're going to do British teenage memories. And then part three, being a British adult. So yeah, first one, we're going way back to when you were a wee baba. And the first question I've got for you, Michael, is what is your first memory? Before you begin, I'd like to let you know that we now have an official app released for the British English podcast. You can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it. And for those of you who are just listening on your favourite podcast app, then I've got a present for you. Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets and you will find every single episode available for you to listen to along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store, either by typing in BEP, BEP, or the British English Podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. Yeah, I love this topic, by the way. I can't believe I've never thought about doing it myself. I find it's hard to think of a first memory because I'm never sure like, if it's really my memory or if it's just something I've seen in like a baby photo that I feel like it's my memory. But the one that I can think of is me and my brother playing in the woods, visiting my great aunt, I believe. And I think that was when I was four years old. So it's quite a, quite a while ago, but that that's the earliest thing I can think of. Playing in the woods. What kind of activity. I remember one situation. This must not happen nowadays with kids with digital stuff. I went to a friend's house who lived kind of on a farm, but it was it was just like random fields. And we dug a we dug a hole. And then because of the grass in the way that it kind of fell out in your hands when you picked it up, it would be like a ball or a clump of soil and a bit of grass. And it was a perfect like throwing grenade. <laughs> And and we loved the. F it was like a snowball, but made of mud, and it had a handle, so it was like a perfect throwing device. And we like a sling, yeah. And we used to hide in our holes and then throw the grenades of soil at each other. Was it was it like that playing in the forest? I don't think my childhood was as I was going to say primitive. I don't know. <laughs> as that. 
Um, no, actually, this was much more civilized. You know, we had there was slides. There were it was like a proper playground in the forest. I don't know why, but oh, there were right. kind of things set up for us to play on. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> that's very much more this generation. Like I went to the park with my niece, and she's got all of that stuff. Yeah, okay. Back, back in our day, we had to make our own fun, didn't we? None of this like mm. modern playground equipment, I suppose. <laughs> I know, but I I think we should say that we're aware that we're still spoiled. Our generation was definitely spoiled, weren't we? We're not exactly. Mm. We didn't have it hard. Do you think we did? Yeah, I mean, we're similar ages, right? And I I think for most of our life we've had internet and computers like i think i got my computer when i was a teenager mm-hmm. childhood was outside having fun but mostly very relaxed you know video games all that kind of stuff so yeah very very easy childhood i would say so your great auntie was she did she give you fond memories when you were a baby yeah uh she lives in pool uh Ooh. on the south coast of england and for some reason, I always really enjoyed going there. I don't know quite what it was. It was kind of like a little holiday. And I don't think we really did anything special. It's just like a new environment, a new place to go. Yeah, it, it was just very ordinary trip. It just really good memories for some reason. And that leads nicely into the next one, which is trying to figure out what you had as an experience as a British person, but also as an individual, like the family situation. Would you see that great auntie a lot? Because from from my perspective, we saw my great auntie probably once a year. What about you? Same for me. Yeah. I think that's why it was so special because it wasn't on an occurrence, you know? Maybe it's an interesting topic because I think there's some cultural differences maybe between your listeners and British people, perhaps. Yeah. And I I wonder how it is for you because for me, I've never been much of a family person. Maybe I've been more of a black sheep as a good expression, like a bit more independent, a bit more different from other people in my family. I didn't used to go to too many like family gatherings, but was it similar for you or were you more connected and when you say you didn't used to are you talking about when you were a child or when you grew up or as now uh, as you are now i guess when I, when you're a child you don't have much choice do you but the older i got the more freedom i got the less i went to those things nothing against my family i just like my alone time you know <laughs> yeah I, I was imagining you as a five-year-old saying no i'm not going to see my great auntie <laughs> this time she made me play in the forest <laughs> can you tell me about your extended family who you've got around you and how big your nuclear family is yeah, nuclear family, like inner, the inner circle, right? So I've got like mum, dad, younger brother, okay. and two grandmas these days who I see occasionally. And then like more extended family, I've got a huge family because my mum has, I can't even count it, something like eight siblings. So lots wow. of cousins, lots of aunts and uncles, stuff like that. Wow, that's, that's, that's almost, yeah, that's almost, <laughs> that's almost too many, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's almost like, I, I like my brother and parents and then this whole army of relatives and if you're an introvert of any kind that might be a bit daunting (laughs) yeah for sure like at my brother's wedding for example there were like 200 people and they were all family (gasps) and that's just it's way too much for me yeah so did your brother not get to have any of his friends at his wedding yeah he he had a few but they they were outnumbered by, by family you know you only see them sparingly when you have to yeah i mean it also makes it harder to see them or conversely easier to avoid them you know whatever way you want to look at it now that i live in london because it's you know six hour six hour train ride away so it's not something i can do so often and are they all local still back in your 
neighbourhood where you grew up? Pretty much, yeah. Or back in Cornwall, no, no one moves too much in Cornwall. You know, people stay. In, I think in the countryside, people just stay in the same place. They don't move too much. But mm. I imagine you've had kind of an even more extreme one right now that you're on the other side of the world. I guess you've got a lot of family who you don't get to see so often. I've got a very good excuse. Yes. No. <laughs> I, yeah, there's quite a few nephews and nieces that have been born over the pandemic, which has been a shame. So I haven't been able mm. to see them, but I saw them in February, which was fantastic. Uh, when I went back to the UK, I've got family in Australia and in England. So we're spread out. I feel like I shouldn't say too much more about what I was going to say because they sometimes listen. <laughs> <laughs> We love your family here. <laughs> yes, I love my family. That is all I have to say. Wait, so hang on. So you had a big fa- you have a big family in Cornwall. The wedding was gigantic of your brother. Your brother's younger than you, but he's already been married. He got married very early, yeah. As soon as he hit his 20s, he's like marriage. Wow, because that's quite unusual for us, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like these days it's becoming later and later, right? In maybe it's a global thing, but yeah, I think especially in the UK well, I can say for sure that people seem to wait to their 30s now to get married, don't they? Right. And that was because he just met the one or he was dedicated to the idea of getting married? I don't know. I, I guess so. I, I mean, I, I want to kind of, as, as an older brother should, like make fun of him a little bit, put him down. So I think maybe he was just so insecure about finding a partner that he had to kind of, what, what's the expression? Like he had to pin it down. Is that the right word? You know, he he had to make it secure as soon as possible so she couldn't escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had to put a ring on it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> can you describe where you lived? Like you've said Cornwall, but can you kind of paint a picture for us? Yeah, I mean, I don't have such a nice impression of my where I grew up. It's like a very small town. I feel like Cornwall's such a beautiful place, but I lived in the one place which I don't think is that beautiful. It's just like in a valley, there's you know, it's very hard to get to other places. I we, we kind of have a joke that like everyone who is crazy and, you know, been to prison lives in this town. It's like they, they all flock to this town for some reason. So you kind of, I don't know. I, I've had friends who were like attacked on the street and at night and things like that. It's quite a dodgy place, actually. So I don't really have good memories of this particular town, but it's kind of, yes, East Cornwall, surrounded by countryside, but the town itself is not nice in my opinion. Okay. And when you go back, do you do you feel quite concerned about that exact thing? What, for my safety? Maybe, yeah. Not, not in that sense, because I feel like I'm, I'm not a big man, but I'm a grown man, let's say, and I feel like I could, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not that afraid personally, but um, I also don't walk around at night. So that's probably, probably helps as well. Yeah. But you know, honestly, I don't go back very often because there's really not much to see. It's just like a huge residential town there's not much there apart from houses you know um so was there any reason why you think your mother chose to um spend her time there and 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 buy a house there perhaps oh yes so i i don't really know i think a lot of cornwall is very isolated and it's hard to get to you know cities and other places but i think maybe one reason is just because it's on the train line so it's really easy to get the train to london or something like that so it's probably the only benefit of living there, really. Oh, okay. Okay. That connection to civilization. Yeah. But you did tell me that you are starting to learn Cornish or you have started learning Cornish. Yeah, yeah. So there must be a, a desire to get to know your Cornish blood or, or some sort of the linguistic history behind where you were from. Remember. 
that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. Did you know that we have a 45-minute long audiobook that also comes with an ebook to read along with, teaching you 10 of the most useful idioms that you can use to sound like a native-level speaker? You know, the next time that you want to impress someone, be it for a job interview or an English exam, like the IELTS test, then you can whip out one of these phrases and really wow them. We've selected these 10 because they're daily idioms. They're ones that you can use in many, many situations. So you won't be wasting your time learning a random idiom that you'll never really get the chance to use. And the even better news is that we're giving this audiobook and ebook away for free. And all you need to do is find it in the show notes of this episode. Head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com and find it in the homepage. Or just like the free worksheet for this episode, go to thebritishenglishpodcast.com forward slash freebies. That is F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. I think so. I think there's a few reasons. I think one, I'm just I'm fascinated by history and you know learning more about the past, I, I think is really interesting. And I don't know if you will agree with this, but I feel like it's very hard to say, you know, I'm proud to be English. I don't know if you agree, but I find most people who say that they're usually like a bit racist. (laughs) That's like the sense I get. Like you, you don't really hear that very often. So I feel like in the UK, people often say I'm proud to be more local area, like proud to be, you know, people say proud to be Welsh or Scottish or proud to be from Yorkshire or something like that. Yeah. So maybe I have a bit more pride of my local area rather than my whole country. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, I do agree with that. And uh, I was thinking about it when I came to Australia because they they have a lot of Australian made kind of on the badge of loads of companies or products. And I I feel like if we said made in England or English, it, it's almost got a bit of a, a racist connotation to it. We're very anti that, aren't we? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. There was a joke in, I don't know if you've seen the IT crowd, that uh, comedy TV program. Uh-huh. There was a joke in that where he was using a fire extinguisher to put out a fire <laughs> and the fire extinguisher itself caught on fire. And he was like, wait, what? what's going on? And he looked on the bottom and it said made in England. He was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, we don't really make anything nowadays, do we? We're just um, services predominantly. Okay, let's jump to another part, uh, culture, which is at school. In IT particularly, I remember feeling very stressed about trying to create these ridiculous programs mainly because the IT teacher didn't seem to know what they were doing and the IT <laughs> software was so bad that you couldn't do anything what do you remember of IT particularly at school that's a great question because again I, I think we're the right age as to where 
the teachers hadn't really had much experience because a lot of the stuff was quite new so that they hadn't been brought up with the technology. So it was really the first time we were learning about a lot of this stuff. And yeah, I've got, I've got memories of making lots of games. I made like a little kind of Mario style game wow. in some program, which was playable, but it was a bit of a nightmare to make. Yeah, we, we started to do a bit more coding when I got you know, when we got to the, the end of school, but it was mostly just... I, I need to ask, Michael, how old are you? I'm 28. Okay, we've got a four-year gap. And I think yeah. in technology, that was a, a, a big four years. Yeah, we, had, we didn't have coding. I mean, obviously, coding's ever since computing. But yeah, we definitely didn't do that. We were mainly doing, like, um, trying to create newsletters for veterinarians <laughs> that had um, put down a hamster or something like that and you had to send a like a, an email sequence or something like that yeah very uh, disappointing that sounds a bit wow grim. you were coding by then that's great it, i think it only happened in the very final year so right when i was leaving school they started they introduced this new curriculum and now from what i know kids are basically doing coding from like primary school so they've just pushed it back and now so you go out of it well, I was fed up. You were inspired, perhaps. And then you go to the, the playground and some children, again, this might show my age, but some children, including me, had this egg, plastic egg with gel in the middle. And inside the gel was this baby little alien. Yes, alien. Yeah. Do you remember them? I do. I totally, you, you brought it back to me. I totally forgot about them. But what, what was the thing that they could grow or they could have another baby? There was some kind of thing about them that people were saying. I still don't know. I tried both options. I think one of the options was to supposedly put one of your friend's aliens in your pod and put the little sticky backs of them next to each other in the fridge and then supposedly 24 hours later they would make a baby really advanced toy yeah. for the time yeah did you ever try this no i think we all believed it but i kind of suspect it was just like a marketing thing or something that didn't really work but yeah i remember this was a huge fad a huge a huge thing back in the day yeah what were some other fads that you experienced whilst at school beyblades were pretty big remember them bay beyblades beyblades these were these like spinning things where you pull the they're all plastic. You pull the plastic, I don't know what you call it, the plastic ring. Okay. And it spins around and you have to like fight in an arena to like knock the other person's Beyblade over. Yes, this is like the modern version of a, what's the actual toy called? The original? It's just a spinner, isn't it? Spinner, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but sp it... spinners don't fight each other. Spinners just spin, right? Well... I remember a really old film where the spinners would bump into each other and then it was the last one standing. But they okay. didn't have these aggressive sort of modern plastic spiky bits to make it look like a robot that was ready for battle. Yeah, that, that was big in the playground back in my day. But I, I never I, I tried to kind of get them to fit in with the other kids, but I never really got the, the fuss about it. I never really understood why they were so popular. I just kind of did it because I wanted to be popular too. Now, going back to inside the school, uh, in primary school i'd like to know if you share this memory after lunch we often did pe which didn't really make sense because you're <laughs> exercising on a full stomach where did you do pe in the school sometimes outside on the mm -hmm. on the sports field but mostly it was in the what we call the assembly hall which was kind of i guess the multi-purpose room for pe lunch and large meetings assemblies all that kind of stuff. Is that? Yes, that's where we did it. 
And uh, it was a marble floor and we did it in our bare feet and we'd run around excited to let off some steam, but you'd then step on some things. Did you ever experience this? Stepping on... Like food? Yeah. I don't remember. Maybe I did. I've got a memory. This is a bit of a different one, but I think it might be an interesting one. I've got a memory of when I was in reception, which is, it's like the year below year one, right? It's like when you're four years old or five years old or something. I peed my pants in that hall. <laughs> we were all sitting, you know, those big, um, I like how you built that padded. story up. <laughs> I was four or five and I pissed my pants. Next. You know, like the padded gym mats where you like do gymnastics and you land on these padded mats. Oh, I do. Yeah. We were, my whole class was sitting on, on this mat and I did it on the mat. And I think it spread out to a lot of my classmates too. <laughs> did that give you, did that, Oh, that's funny. That might be my earliest memory, actually, that that traumatizing moment. Yeah, that's a lot of emotion evolved. So that's probably why you remember it. They say that there's for sure. That's that's true, isn't it? When there's emotion involved, you remember it. Yeah, guys, whenever you're learning vocabulary, maybe do something emotion provoking. What could what could a good example be? If you pee your pants while you're learning a word, you'll never forget that word. There you go. There you go. Pee your pants, guys. <laughs> Just uh, make sure you're not around five or six classmates. Did they end up calling you something horrible? I think I was young enough. I mean, this was pre-teenagers. It was like, very young, of course. So I think I was young enough as to where people forgot, like their brains weren't developed either. So they kind of just forgot about it. I don't remember any any consequences of that, really, apart from embarrassment. I can imagine you turning around saying, guys, your brains haven't developed yet. You'll forget this. It's fine. <laughs> As if I was the only one who had a developed brain and like they didn't. <laughs> yeah, you had a very developed brain, but not such a good bladder control. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just remember running around in the hall and then you'd land on some mushy peas that weren't picked up but maybe it sounds like your school had some efficient oh i'm being sexist here i was about to say dinner ladies but we can't really say that nowadays can we to be fair we never had a dinner man did you no we didn't so i mean it is technically correct but yeah maybe we have to be a bit gender neutral and not limit it yeah dinner person dinner figure dinner figure dinner figure that sounds nice might not be a person you know yeah (laughs) yes it's true All right. Well, we're going to go on to your teenage years, see how traumatizing they were as well into part two. And then we're going to mature into a well-formed, rounded adult that doesn't pee on the gym mat. Can you promise us that? I can promise I haven't done it since then. I can't talk about the future, though. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so guys, that's the end of part one. If you want to join us in part two and three, go for it. If that's all you wanted for today, then thank you very much for listening to the end. As I said, this is an interview with Michael from the Level Up English podcast. So check out his links in the show notes. But yeah, thank you very much, Michael. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. All right, see you in part two. We will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes explaining the vocabulary 
exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments, and weekly speaking classes on Zoom. But if you were just here for part one of this conversation, then I thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie, and I will see you next week on the British English Podcast. <laughs>